0: Father, we thank you so much this morning for the opportunity to study your word. We pray that as we look at this precious subject that your presence would be with us, your presence would be close to us, that you would draw sweetly near to our hearts. And we ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Make us like you in our homes, in our workplace, in the church, everywhere we are, Lord. May we love each other as you have loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a bit of information in this one, but uh, we won't tarry too long on anything. Well, last week we talked about covenant versus contract marriages. How many of you remember that last week? And not just that, but relationships. And we hit that pretty hard from the book of Genesis. And all of us are either in a contract or a covenant marriage or relationship. Is that true? When you are involved in just relationships with other people, you can have a covenant or a contract relationship. And I'm not going to go through all these again. I went through them last week, but I didn't want to hit the two bottom ones. A contract marriage or relationship demands joy through mutual benefit. In other words, I'm in this relationship because you're satisfying a need that I have. Remember that? We talked about that. And then also... A a person will say, I'll meet your need as long as you meet what? My need, right? That's a contract. A covenant relationship, however, seeks joy through mutual what? Sacrifice. Not what you can do for me, but what I can do for you. Amen? That's the Lord's plan. The circle of life is that I give and receive, but giving comes what? First. Amen? And also... The, in the contract relationship, you have this concept of that I will split you in two if that's necessary to get what I need or to defend my and protect myself. Remember that? We saw that from Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. In Genesis 2, God established between Adam and Eve a covenant relationship. But in chapter 3, when sin came into the picture, it brought about a what? Contract. And that woman whom Adam was so ready to love in chapter 2, he was ready to throw her under the bus in chapter 3, right? He said, oh, the woman you gave me, right? She's the one to blame. And so sin always will carry us from a covenant relationship to a what? To a contract relationship. But the good news is that in Genesis 3.15, because both Adam and Eve had entered into that contract relationship... God said, I will make a covenant with both of you, and I will be the one that will be split in two for your sakes. How many of you are thankful for that? And he's done the same thing for each one of us. And so the only true success in marriage is going to come when God is at the what? The foundation, when he's at the center. If we are both looking up towards Jesus in the marriage then we're both going to be drawn closer to Him. And as we're drawn closer to Him, we're drawn closer to who? To each other. Amen? I'm very thankful for that. Now, what we're going to talk about today is five areas of the covenant relationship or the covenant marriage. Five areas. Now, let me help you understand. In one sermon, you cannot cover everything, okay? But I'm going to hit the core of the core and do my best to do that. There's many books. By the way, I want to recommend some books to you. I'm glad I said that. There's a lot of great books out there, and I'll give you a list of books next Sabbath, but I always want to recommend this book right here, The Adventist Home. If you've not read this book in your home, in your family, in your marriage, please do so immediately, like today. Make this the number one book. This is a powerful book. It has powerful principles. Also, the last four chapters of the book Ministry of Healing, the last four chapters deal so powerfully with relationships, both marriage and others, I don't know if you've ever seen this book, The Five Love Languages. How many of you have seen this book before? You can get it just about anywhere. You can buy it at Meijer or anywhere. A beautiful book, very, very powerful. Um, Here's a book that the conference, I'm so thankful, in the Michigan Conference, on our anniversary, they actually send us some kind of book or DVD every year that will enhance our marriages. And this is the book they sent us this year. It's a really wonderful book called Lifelong Love by Gary Thomas. And then here's a book, um, I'm not necessarily pointing you to this book, but Willard F. Harley. Um, there's a book called His Need, Hers Needs, also by the same author. Any books by this gentleman are very good. There's lots of books out there, but these are some of the ones that have blessed us in a very special way. So I want to encourage you to do that. Now, we can't cover everything as I mentioned, but I do want to hit these five points. The five areas of the covenant marriage. Number one is what, friends? Commitment. What is it again? Commitment. Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. And we're going to start in verse 5 and 6. Matthew chapter 19, verse 5 and 6. Notice what it says. This is what Jesus uh, speaks. So we're going to start, we'll start in verse 4 here. It says, "...and he answered and said to them, "'Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning "'made them male and female?' and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one what? One flesh. We talked about this last week, and that word one flesh means um, ikad, which means one and unity. Together, it's the plural form of one. So we maintain our individuality in marriage, yes or no? But we are still yet one. Then he says, so then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man do what? Separate. Now you hear those words all the time in a marriage ceremony, right? What God has joined together, let no man separate. But that includes both an, the, the other man and yourselves. Can you cause yourselves to separate? What do you think? And God wants us to not separate, but he wants us to be one. Go with me real quickly. I'm not, we're not going to read every verse I have. But I do want to look at this one, Proverbs 5 and verse 14. I'm in Psalms here. Proverbs 5 and verse 14. Look here. This is very, very powerful. <clears throat> he says, verse 14 through 18, I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. Sometimes our marriage is like that, isn't it? And we're tempted to start looking elsewhere. We're tempted to start looking where the grass seems to be greener on the other side. you know why often the grass seems to be greener on the other side? One of two reasons. Either it simply seems to be more green, but when you get over there, it's not as green as you thought it was, right? And when you cross that line, you're in big trouble. But not only that, if it, if it is greener on the other side, it's because your neighbor's been watering and fertilizing his grass. And if you water and fertilize your grass it'll also be what? Amen? Yes or no? Absolutely. All right. Verse 15, drink water from what? Your own cistern, not your neighbors, not your co-workers. Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your foundations be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with a wife of your what? Of your youth. And you can read on there on your own. I'm not going to read all those things, but uh, you can read on. But drink from your own what? Cistern, be determined to be what? Committed to each other. Amen? Notice this statement from Ministry of Healing, page 360. It says, though difficulties, perplexities, and discouragements arise, let neither husband or wife harbor the thought that their union is a mistake or a disappointment. Don't raise your hand, but how many times have you ever thought to yourself, boy, did I make a mistake when I got married to this person? The counsel is, do not let your thoughts go to that. It doesn't matter what your circumstance is. Are you with me? Determine, do what? Do what? Determine to be all that is possible to be to each other. Continue the early attentions. We'll talk about that. In every way, encourage each other in fighting the battles of life. Study to advance the happiness of each other. Let there be mutual love, mutual forbearance. Then marriage, instead of being in the end of love, will be as it were the very beginning. The warmth of true friendship, the love that binds heart to heart, is a foretaste of the joys of heaven. I many think those are beautiful words this morning? Do not let the thought enter your mind, and if it does, banish it immediately, that your marriage was a mistake. That is one of the first steps to the uh, eternal downfall of a marriage. Are you with me? Don't let it do it. No matter how big your difficulties are, don't use the, the D word. <clears throat> We did not follow, I'll, I'll I'll just be a little bit vulnerable here, in our very first year of marriage, we had some struggles, just like everybody else does. The reality is, every marriage struggles, from the conference president to the pastor to the church member, we're going to have disagreements. I'm more concerned about people who say we don't have any disagreements than those who say we do. The true issue is, how do you handle those disagreements, right? And in our youth and in our, in our foolishness, our first year of marriage, we used to say... Oh, if you don't like it, just divorce me. And you're half joking. You're kind of, you know, you understand. You're sort of serious, but you're joking, right? You're not really serious. But here's the thing. Even if you're joking, it puts the thought in the mind, doesn't it? And we came to a place very early in our marriage, and we said, you know what? We are not going to use that word anymore. We're not even going to think about it. Because the more you say it, it doesn't matter if you're teasing or not, the more it becomes solidified in your mind. Don't even talk about it. Make a mutual covenant not to say the word. Amen? That will, that will give you a huge advantage, huge leverage in your marriage. Okay. Secondly, commitment. Choose to love in the good and the bad. Don't run away when things get hard. Things are going to get hard in marriage. What do you think? <clears throat> I remember when I had cancer. My wife was so faithful and caring for me I was in the hospital sick. She ran the house. We didn't have kids then, thankfully. She ran the house. She worked a full-time job. She would get up early in the morning and work all day. And then she would come down to the hospital and stay with me till midnight or later, only to drive home, sleep for three or four hours, get up and do it again. She did this for months. She was so faithful. In the most difficult of times, when you're faithful, when you choose to commit to each other, you will be drawn closer to each other, irregardless of your differences, irregardless of your differences. Don't go to your parents or unqualified others about your problems. Some of you might disagree with that, but that's okay. The Lord will open your eyes. It's very easy. The Bible says when the two come together, they do what? They leave parents behind. That doesn't mean you don't don't have a relationship with them, of course, But it means that your problems are your problems. Go to God and to each other. Don't go talking to your mother, ladies. Don't go talking to your father or mother or either one. Only counsel with a pastor or professional counselor. I'm going to talk more about this in a little bit. But don't go to your parents or unqualified others about your problems. I'll talk more about that, so I'm going to keep going. The society says that when things get too hard, I have a right to walk away. Society says, I have a right to be happy. God says you'll only find happiness through holiness. And holiness is where you find, or marriage is one place where you find holiness. Now, if you're not married, that doesn't mean you can't be holy, okay? But marriage does a pretty good job of working on us to make us holy. If we're single, we have other things. God will do that, and he'll bring us into that as well. <clears throat> I have a right to walk away, but you covenanted with that person. Stick it out. Amen? Now, if you're being abused, of course, that is a, the, the, the exception. Commitment also includes doing those things that you don't like to do when it will help or meet the need of your spouse. Just last night, my wife's smiling, I asked her permission to share this story, and we were getting the children ready for bed, and... Uh, My wife says, could you shower Levi while I get Liana ready? And I said, no. (laughs) What? I said, no. Because here's the thing. I love my children. I love to play with my children. But I don't like doing the bath stuff. I just don't like it. Because I always get wet. I remember the time I came home for just an hour to help my wife real quick. And I had on a suit. And I was on my way to the board meeting. And I'm in there showering my son. And he says to me, can I hold that? the little shower deal, and I says, yeah, but don't spray me. What does he do? He turns at me. And, you know, normally, like, if you, if you, if they hit you, like, you're like, oh, get off. But well, He was so shocked he just stood there. And I'm, like, trying to, I just don't like the bath thing. But I do it because I love it. And so my wife says, "I," she says, well, well, why not? And I said, because I don't really care to do it. It's not easy for me. I don't like getting wet. And she says real kindly, real sweetly, as if it's real easy for me also. And the Holy Spirit said, get in there and give the boy a shower. Amen? But doing the things that you don't like because you know it will bless them and you love them. And that's what love is. It is sacrificing that which I prefer to do for that which will bless others. Guard your thoughts. I mentioned this a little bit about the D word. Focus on what is good. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And notice this. Bringing every what? Every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. So this is the truth that through the grace of God, through the Spirit of God, every one of our thoughts can be brought in to captivity to the obedience of Christ. That doesn't mean if I have bad thoughts, I'm not doing that. It means when I have a bad thought, I'm choosing what to do with it. And I can choose either to harbor that, or I can choose to let it go captive to the Lord Jesus. Amen? So that's the covenant relationship. And so guarding our thoughts, don't sit around thinking about the negatives, Focus on the what? And if you can't do that, ask God to help you. Amen? Commitment. Praying together and asking God to teach you how to love each other. My wife and I have prayed that prayer before early in our marriage. We said, Lord, teach us how to love each other. Love has to be learned. Respect has to be learned. These things have to be learned, and as sinful, carnal Creatures, we do not know how to do it except that God plant a new seed, a new heart in our hearts, and he transforms us. And if you will pray together and ask the Lord to do that, he will do it. I've seen it happen. All right, number two. First one was what? Commitment. Number two, radical honesty and communication. You can write this verse down, Ephesians 4. This is the rest of the verse from our scripture reading today. You can read that. Uh, I'm going to let you read that. But honesty, I want to talk about honesty for just a minute. Does your spouse have a right to know about your private life? Yes, they do. Are there any secrets in marriage? No. You know, if you have a best friend outside of marriage, and let's just say you're unmarried, and you have a best friend outside, do you keep any secrets from them usually? No. Not usually. I mean, you might, but not typically. So then what if your your spouse is your best friend? Should we do that? What do you suppose? Is there such a thing as a private life in marriage? I ask that. Should a spouse know who we've been with that day? What do you think? Do they have a right to know that? Let me just tell you. But on the flip side, does a spouse have a right to be accusatory and to be going through your stuff without your permission And to be unreasonably suspicious, what do you think? No, there has to be a mutual want, agreement with this. Now I'll tell you, my wife has all the passwords for my Facebook account, for my email account, she has access to my phone. At any time, she can pick up my phone and she can flip through it at her pleasure. And I'll tell you, gentlemen, I didn't always have that thought or that feeling. Because a man doesn't like people to know what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Man just want, you know, like, I hate cell phones because I'm like, I don't want people knowing where I'm at every second of the day. Not that I'm doing anything wrong. I just want to be my own man. It's just, it's just how men are. And wives, we have to understand that about men too. Now, we're not keeping secrets. But at the same time, there has to be a mutual agreeing with this. You understand what I'm saying? Don't, wives, don't go home and say, well, the pastor said. Pray about it. You understand? Pray about it. All right. How about communication? Understanding is the most important element. Full attention is what? Crucial. When you're communicating, we need to put stuff away. I have a bad habit of this, and my wife will tell you that I'm always, not always, but often, on my phone, and I am not often listening to her as much as I should. And I'm working on that, and I believe it's gotten better. The Lord has helped me with it. I haven't worked on it. I've asked the Lord to help me, and he's helped me. When you're communicating, friends, speak for who? Yourself, not for the other person. Don't say, I know what you're thinking, because you don't. Because I've said that to my wife before. I know what you're thinking. And she says, no, you don't. Yes, I do. I know we always come to the same thing here. And she says, well, what am I thinking? And I tell her, and it's exactly wrong. exact opposite, right? Don't mind read. Speak for yourself how you feel. Don't assume how the other person feels. Just a few little tips here. Talking in small chunks, stop and listen, and then paraphrase. Repeat it back to the person. Don't go off for 45 minutes And then expect that person. If you really want them to understand, remember what's the most important thing? is what? Understanding. So when we talk in shorter spurts and the person is able to rephrase, because I can't tell you how many times my wife will say something to me and I think she means one thing and she means another and vice versa. How many of you found that to be true in your marriage? Oh, you're thinking, oh, I know what she's thinking Here. But really, that's not what she's thinking of, And we can sometimes react to what we think they're saying rather than what they're really saying. And that causes a problem of itself, doesn't it? Very, very problematic. Watch your tone and body language. Because of the natural fluctuation of my voice, I can tend to sound like I'm being challenging. And often I am challenging. I'm a very challenging person. Avoid the eternal phrases. What are eternal phrases? You always, you never. And I mean, I'm not saying you can't use them, but use them how? Positively. You're always so faithful in this. You're, you're never doing this to me if it's something bad, right? Use them positively, don't use them negatively, right? Be careful about withdrawing in silence. Some, How many of you... Know somebody that just withdraws in silence and you just step out and you say, I can't talk to you right now. And you know what? That's actually an okay thing to do. If you're in a place mentally where you're not prepared to talk about that issue, then it's okay to withdraw, but you owe it to that person to do what? To come back and say, okay, I'm ready to talk. Go and, and, and be by yourself if you need that, but then come back. The Bible says, let not the sun go down on your wrath. Don't just ignore for a few days and then pretend like things are okay after that because things are not okay. You understand? They're not okay. But come back within that 24 hours. Don't nag or criticize. Now, I can say all these things and you're like, oh yeah, I know all this stuff. But here's the thing. God keeps bringing things back to us not because we don't know them. Because we don't do them. You understand? What happens is God will present us with a principle that He wants us to practice in our life, and we often get away from it and we don't do it, right? And then we think, oh, I something new because that's not working for me. You know what I'm talking about? But God wants us to do that which He gives us, not to be always seeking for something new. Now in Proverbs 21 and 27, it talks about the fact that living with a contentious woman is like a dripping faucet. But I would add in there that it's the same for a man, you understand? And A critical man is is like a dripping faucet. So I'm not just applying it to the ladies here, but men. Men don't like to be nagged, and women don't like to be criticized. And neither like either, really, you understand? But it tends to flow more on those sides. Are you with me? So strive not to be doing those things. Ask the Lord Jesus to help you, and he will. When you fall into these habits, they're very hard to break. Are they? Very hard to break. Take time at the end of the day to talk on a general basis, and don't let the sun go down without a solution or at least a what? At least a prayer to say, hey, we can't stand on this day, but we're going to continue, and we're going to ask the Lord to bless us and to help it. Take ownership and apologize. You know, I'm going to tell you guys something. You guys are going to know all about us, but I only tell you the things that the Lord is helping us fix. Amen? But for years, I've cleared all this with my wife. She's good with it all. For years, I would do a foolish thing, and my wife would be not happy about it, and then she would bring it to my attention, and then I would say, Oh, honey, I'm very sorry about that, but the but, but this, this, and this, and I would try to explain to her why what I did wasn't intentional, because in my mind, I wanted her to know that I would not do that intentionally to hurt you. Does that make sense? Now, men, doesn't that sound great? Like, I want her to know that I'm not intentionally doing this to hurt her, so I have to explain everything out. Well, guess what? That didn't work. And for years, I thought, I don't understand why she doesn't th- she doesn't understand this. But then, I figured it out. And the Lord just kind of like, one day, just, you know, just the light switch. And I realized that that was a very foolish thing to do. And we talked about it. And I said, I didn't realize that you don't need that. And she said, no, I don't. She says, I already know that you love me and will not intentionally try to hurt me. I don't need you to tell me that. I just want you to say I'm sorry that I hurt you. And I was like, (laughs) I just just couldn't believe it. But you know what? That that was a blessing in our home. It was a blessing in our home. Women, sometimes men, you know, the famous thing with women, bless all of our hearts, is that They want a man to guess what they're thinking and feeling so that it helps them feel good about it. But ladies, please, it's not just your man that doesn't get it. It's every man. So don't think, oh, it's just my my husband just, all the other men of the earth get it, but my husband, no, all the other men don't in most cases. It's the truth. And you just need to tell them what you're thinking. Do you understand? Just tell them. Don't try to get... It's better if you just tell them and then they can do it than to not tell them at all, right? And uh, men, you understand that ladies are going to say it's fine when it's not fine. And when you hear the words it's fine, you better know that it's not. All right. Don't mind read. Do what, friends? Communicate. Amen. I remember my grandmother years ago had surgery and she had had breast cancer and she had a major surgery and she was very, um, she was very, you know, needful of help and she was able to get up and get around. But my grandfather used to go to the flea market on the weekends and he asked her, are you okay if I go to the flea market? And what does she say? Oh, it's fine. And he went and she was very upset about that. And she could not open the jar of peanut butter for her toast. And let me tell you, she took that as the greatest wound, like the greatest horrible thing that he could do to her. And for years, she held bitterness and resentment towards my grandfather because of a jar of peanut butter. Now, it wasn't a jar of peanut butter, but you get the point. You understand. So on his end, he should have known, this is my friend. She needs my help. I'm going to sacrifice this thing to be with her, right? But on her end, she should learn how to what? Forgive. Communicate and also forgive, right? We all have to learn these things. And if we learn them, our homes are much better. So what do we communicate about? Well, communicating about major what? Decisions. Gentlemen, don't come home with a new car or a new truck when you haven't talked about it. Don't go buy a new house. Don't go out and buy something that costs a lot of money. Talk about it first, amen? Finance. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm going to say that my wife told me to be careful how you say this, so I'm going to try. <laughs> well, we do not have separate accounts. We do not have separate accounts, and I'm not rebuking those that do. And in some situations, it might actually save the marriage. But I don't recommend it. Because you're doing your thing, and, and it's, it's just another way to be separate. It's better to talk it through. And uh, we have something we call free money or mad money, where you have a certain amount of money per month, an allowance or allotment, that you can spend without giving an account for it to the other person. Does that make sense? But as far as everything else goes, we're a house. We're a household. We're a family, you understand? Very important. And always remembering Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away what? A wrath. A soft answer turns away wrath. If you want to disarm your spouse's anger, don't be angrier than them. Don't speak Speak, 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 speak softly. It's very, very powerful. All right, number three. I want to uh, go to Proverbs quickly, chapter 31. And we're going to talk a little bit about trust and respect. Proverbs 31, verses 11 and 12. I love this passage right here. And this doesn't just apply to the woman or the man, but it applies to both. Uh, Proverbs 31 and verse 10 through 12. It says, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. And look at this. The heart of her husband safely what? Trusts her. So he will have no lack of gain. And notice verse 12. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. How many can say amen? This works both ways, not just for one or the other, but seeking to do each other what? Good. Because the Lord Jesus has done good for who? Us. Amen. That spouse is the Lord's property. Amen. Amen. Notice this, ministry of healing. You guys doing okay? We're we're not too far off. Around every family, there is a sacred what? Circle that should be kept unbroken. With this circle, no other person has a right to come. Did you hear that? Let not the husband or the wife permit another to share the confidences that belong solely to who? Themselves. This is one of the biggest problems in marriages today. There is a circle that is sacred, and it is to be what, friends? Unbroken. I want you to look at this. The inner circle is who? God, you, and who? Your spouse. And if you notice, I put a pretty thick border around that circle. Why? Because no one else is to do what? Come in. Not your mother, not your father, not your in-laws, not brothers or sisters, not friends, not even who? Children. Now, I'm going to take a minute to say this, and you may disagree with me, but that's okay. But more and more research is finding that one of the problems we have encountered with marriages in the last 30 to 40 years, as in these modern times, we have entered this age where the children come first. It used to not be that way. It used to be that the spouse came first. And what's the most common statement of uh, of husbands when couples sit in marital counseling, I've heard it dozens of times and counselors I've talked to have heard it, I feel like I am what? Neglected because of the what? The children. You ought to take care of that marriage before you take care of those children and why is that? because if you don't you raise self-centered children for one and the older they get they think that they have a right to you over your spouse and you are and, and, and on the flip side if you do put the spouse first it models to your children what a marriage a loving marriage ought to look like And they see that. And they realize that they're not the center of the universe. They ought to be loved. They ought to be cared for. They ought to be whatever. But they ought to see you doing that for your spouse first. Amen? And then comes your children. So the children don't even get in here. Then there's the extended family. And then there's friends of co-workers and acquaintances. I said this last week, and I'll say it again. Every time you have a disagreement... And there is a need in your relationship that does not get met. Here's what happens: Satan will be sure to bring someone else across your path that will attempt to counterfeit the life. Why? Because Satan wants you to your attentions and your affections to be drawn away from your spouse to that person. And if he can get just an inch, that's all he needs. You understand? If you can start, even if you never reach a point of adultery. If your affections are not on your spouse, that love is not going to exist. It's not going to deepen. It's not going to grow. Amen? That's where commitment comes in. I have to tell you that I am so thankful for my wife because I, I watch her, not watch her, but I've noted, I I see her through through the years. She does not let people in that, that circle. She doesn't give other men the time of day. She's very business with men. And friends, let me tell you, you ought to be business with the opposite sex. You understand that? You're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not gaining affections here. We're business with the opposite sex. I'll, I'll mention that again here in a minute. But trust, let's talk about trust real quick. Following through on what you say you will do. For my wife, it is big. If I say I'm going to be home at 5.30, I need to be what? Home at 5.30. If I say, oh, I'm going to play with the kids for this amount of time, it's important to her that I fulfill that promise. If I say, I'm going to fix the garbage disposal, which I did and didn't then didn't do for six months. Uh, I just did, did it this week. I did it on th- Thursday. It's important that I do that, you understand. And sometimes circumstances happen that are beyond our control, but by the grace of God, we ought to keep our word. That will go huge in a marriage. What do you think? Even in the little things, even in the little things. Notice this. Now, let's uh, uh, talk about respect real quick. Ministry of Healing, page 361. It says, Neither husband or the wife should attempt to exercise over the other an arbitrary want. Control. Do not try to compel each other to yield to your wishes. You cannot do this and retain each other's love. Be kind, patient, forbearing, considerate, and courteous. By the grace of God, you can succeed in making each other happy, as in your marriage vow you promise to do. So understand this. There's the text in Scripture in Timothy that says, wives submit to your what? Husbands. But the only condition for that is if the husband loves his wife as Christ has loved the church. If you are arbitrarily trying to control your spouse and you are trying to get them to do things that are contrary to their conscience, they have a mandate from Scripture that they do not have to obey you. When we get married, we do not lose our individuality. We maintain it. Do you understand? If it's if it's cause for abuse, mentally, physically, emotionally, then we our first loyalty is to the living Christ who has brought our marriage together. Do you understand that? Your wife, your husband is not bound to do things that would satisfy your lower passions or to put you in a morally compromising place. Etc. You understand that? We're to maintain our individuality. You cannot coerce love. You cannot force that, you see. So here's a few uh, practical things on respect. Don't, this is big for my wife and big for me too, don't embarrass your spouse in public. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. Don't demean them. Don't talk about their weaknesses or shortcomings in front of others. Don't talk about what they, have, what they haven't accomplished and don't tell jokes at their expense. That creates big time fractures in your home and in any relationship. It doesn't matter if you're single, you have a fiance, your parents, whoever. It doesn't matter who it is. All very important. But do talk positively about them. Talk about their good character traits and talk about their accomplishments and many other things. This will cause you to love them more. The more positive you say about your spouse, the more you're going to adore them and and, and appreciate them. Yes or no? If you're always talking negative about somebody, then hey, all you're going to see is the negative. But if you train and ask the Lord to help you, talk about the positive. It will also help shun attempts by others to inappropriately enter that circle. Mark my words, when you talk negatively about your spouse in public, there are people who are listening who are Satan's agents. And when you do this, actually, you're violating that sacred circle. You understand? And when you speak negatively about your spouse, there, there are people who will listen to you who will say, I've had my eye on her for some time. She's unhappy in her marriage. If I could just get close. You understand what I'm saying? But when I go on a plane, I, there's, when I, when I travel and stuff, I'm telling you, there's people that, that approach will approach you. And the quickest and best way to repel that person is, and and, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, and I'm I'm not being negative about people that choose this, it's your conscious, but that wedding band doesn't repel Satan's agents. In fact, research has found that it draws them you understand me? It draws them. But the quickest and the best way to repel those kind of things is to say, you know, have I shown you a picture of my wife? Have I shown you a picture of my husband? Have I told you about my kids? Have I told, did I tell you what my spouse did for me last week? Oh my goodness, I'm so in one with them. I'm just so thankful for them. The Lord has blessed me with them, and they have richly endowed me. God has richly endowed me with the blessing of that spouse. Amen? And let me tell you, every time I've done that, they're gone. They're gone. Let me. Uh, I read that already. I mentioned that. How about adoring and treasuring? Men like to be adored, and ladies like to be treasured. Amen? Men like that affection. Men like to know that their wives love them and them. They like to know that their their spouse appreciates them. Women like to know that their husbands care about them and treat them with, with kindness and love. Are you with me? Amen? Dealing with flirtatious people while married, I just mentioned some of those things. But here's what I would suggest: You should not be alone with the opposite sex if you can help it. When I counsel with ladies in my office, either I have a woman in there, or the door is open. You should not be behind closed doors with someone who's not your spouse or the opposite sex. It's just the bottom line. If you could follow that rule, that would cut out almost all of the all of the problems. Quality time. Jesus says, "If you I knock on the door." And he who opens, if you'll, he will come in, and I will do what with him? I will sup with him. Spending quality time with each other is so important. Real quickly, number one, we should do what? Schedule it. If you're a very, how many of you are busy people? In this day and age, let me say, it is not showing unlove. I can use that phrase if you schedule your spouse in. How many of you ladies would love it if, if on your husband's busy calendar, he would just write you in on, on an hour a day? How many of you would love that? See, ladies would love that because then they know, they have it in their minds that, hey, this hour is mine. Amen? So schedule it that quality time. Communicate it. Uh, be caring when you're doing it. Courtship. Keep it. I've talked about that a little bit. Commitment. Decide it. Remember all the things you did when you were courting and do them again. All right. During that quality time, you should have a cell phone jail. Throw those cell phones in a box and get rid of them. Amen. Social media. Because you know, if you if you make the cell phone rule, then you then you can sit there on your computer or your iPad and say, Well, I'm not on my phone, right? No, no. Get rid of it all. And have real family want. Have real family talk. Amen? Have real talk where you're actually sitting across from each other, interacting. This is what's recommended for married couples, 30 minutes per day minimum, one night per week on a date night, one day a month, one weekend per quarter, and one week per year. Now, some people may say, well, we can't do all of that, and that's that's understandable in this day and age, but at least striving for this right here, amen, at least striving for that by the grace of God. And then the fifth one is what? Intimacy. It's what? You guys awake with me still? All right, we're, we're almost through here. There's three areas of intimacy. There's spiritual intimacy, which we've talked about in extensively in the last couple of weeks. There's intellectual and emotional uh, intimacy, which is built by doing these other things that we've talked about today. And then, of course, there's physical, and we'll leave that to the books and Song of Solomon. Okay, You can, you can read about that yourself. But let me tell you, gentlemen, gentlemen, Without these two right here, these three, I should say, spiritual, intellectual, and emotional, the wife will not be interested in the third one. It just won't happen. You connect in those three ways, and that's what. Ladies, sometimes men just need that physical intimacy. Remember that your spouse is your greatest what? Friend. You know, for a long time, I saw my wife as my spouse, but not always my friend. And the Lord just opened up, hey, she's your friend. You need to love her and treat her that way, amen? If we treat them as we treat our friends, the Lord will bless us. Ministry of healing again, let each give love rather than what? Exacting it. Cultivate that which is noblest in yourselves and be quick to recognize the good qualities in each other. The consciousness of being appreciated is a wonderful stimulus and satisfaction. How many of you love it when people compliment you, right? That's what love is. Sympathy and respect encourage striving after excellence, and love itself increases as it stimulates to nobler aims. Remember, friends, to give each other what? Grace. Your spouse needs a savior just like you do. And every time you seek to criticize and condemn, remember that you don't always get it right either. Yes or no? Give grace to each other. Matthew 18, 19. Remember, we read this last week. Jesus says, if two or three of you can agree on earth concerning anything, it shall be done for you by my Father in heaven. Amen? So remember this. Rather than trying to put your spouse in their place, try putting yourself... In their place. I mean, you can say amen. Kind of quiet out there. It's either time to go or you're convicted. What if my situation isn't ideal? Now I understand sometimes we don't have a Christian spouse. Sometimes a Christian spouse has major problems. Sometimes we've prayed and prayed and it doesn't always work. How, what do we have to remember? We still have to remember that your spouse has a what? They have a choice. And they may not choose that. We can't make our spouses do anything that they don't want to do. You understand? And it's not our fault if they choo- don't choose the covenant relationship. You understand that? Don't beat yourself up if they're not choosing it. Don't say, what am I not doing right? Because it's not always about that. You understand? They have a choice. And you can pray for them, but sometimes they're going to choose the opposite path. And if that happens in your relationship, Isaiah 54 says... Your maker will be your husband, your spouse. Amen? And you, there's times in every marriage, no matter how good or bad it is, that we have to claim that promise from Isaiah 54. Your maker is your spouse. You're holy, the Holy One of Israel. And He will not leave us or forsake us. Amen? Go home and read that chapter. It's very, very powerful. God may have to step in. Notice this, very powerful from the book of Acts of the Apostles. The Spirit furnishes... The strength that sustains striving, wrestling souls in every emergency, amid the hatred of the world, the realization of their own failures and mistakes, in sorrow and affliction, when the outlook seems dark and the future perplexing, and we feel helpless and alone. Ever felt that way? You don't have to raise your hand. These are the times when, in answer to the prayer of faith, the Holy Spirit brings comfort to the heart. Amen? So we cannot lose hope, we cannot lose heart, we cannot despair. And remember, just because our marriage isn't where we want it to be doesn't mean it's not sacred or good. And just because we have a disagreement doesn't mean the marriage is failing. It means that we are what? It means that we are growing. Amen? And the marriage is about two personalities coming together to be like Christ. And why do we want to give up on that? Yes? But don't make the mistake. If you're struggling, come and talk to me. I'm happy to visit with you. But I want you to understand this too. Don't wait until it's too late to get help. I've had couples come to me and they say, it's too late for us. Well, why is it too late? Why are you here then if it's too late? People And sometimes people wait until they've reached the last straw. Don't do that. Find help sooner. Love is not about finding the right person, but creating a right relationship. Amen? It's not about how much love you have in the beginning, but how much love you'll have to the end. The older the violin, the sweeter the what? The music. Amen? That can be true in our homes. And I want to ask you a few questions here. Do I really want my family to be like Jesus? How many of you can say yes to that today? Is there anything in me that resists the thought of growing to be like Jesus? Is that your case? If it is, you can surrender it to him today. What matters the most to me? Does my family see in me what is really important in life? What am I willing to invest for them to be like Jesus? What am I willing to endure for them to be like Jesus? What am I willing to lay on the altar for them to be like Jesus? Do I really understand the responsibility that God has placed on my life with my family? Am I teachable? Am I willing to let God and godly people teach me? Will I commit to pray about all that I do and submit to God's will? And am I willing to start today? How many of you are willing to start today? Amen. Last promise, if you've made mistakes, you certainly gain a victory if you see these mistakes and regard them as beacons of warning. Thus you turn defeat into victory, disappointing your enemy and honoring your Redeemer. How many of you today want to have that experience? Yes? And again, I want to say to each person, Wherever you are, we have. I understand that we have broken homes sometimes. I understand that we have folks that are divorced. I want you to know today that I am not coming down on those situations. Did everybody hear? But I want us to know that wherever we are, whether it's in that place, to any end of the spectrum, and he wants to bring healing to our hearts, strength to our lives, and he wants to put us on the path that will lead to everlasting life. Amen? He wants us to be drawn close to each other. Sometimes we don't have a family, but we have a church family, yes? And all these things relate to the church family as well. How many of you believe that? So today as we close, how many of you want to have that covenant relationship and whatever pace in life you are, yes? Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more.